Welcome back, and we're ready for another weekend of NFL football, a Thursday night game in Denver, a Sunday morning U.S. time game in London that one of our handicappers will actually be attending, and then a bevy of games from all over the place, from Tampa to Vegas to Baltimore and on and on, back to L.A., on and on and on, and we're ready to talk all about it on the Bet U.S. NFL show. I am merely the somewhat competent host, T.J. Reeves. The handicappers are back. Chris Farley, hello. Good to be back with you another week, my friend. How are things? Yeah, another day, another dollar. Uh, would like to hit over 50% on one of these shows. I had a, gr- I had a great week last week. I just, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm picking the wrong things to say on this show. So let's get going with that, T.J. What do you say? Yes. No doubt. We're looking forward to that. Scott Kellen is back. I am told. Is this confirmed? You were on the islands. You were in Hawaii. And you even got the Hawaiian festive shirt to show it, to show for it here back on the Bet US NFL show. Good to have you back, my friend. Thank you very much, TJ. Great to be back. And uh, I, I had a losing week last week, so it was great to be off. And I, 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 I don't know. I think Las Vegas Chris might have been on. I assume maybe he won. So uh, we're doing this right so far. So. No doubt. And by the way, we should make mention that Scott is he hasn't had enough of global travel. You are headed out after we're done as we're doing the show live on Thursday to where we're going to London. See the Packers and Giants. (laughs) Can't wait. It'll be fun. So that's uh, it's interesting that uh, that's going to be some atmosphere. The Packers have never played in an international game in the UK. They are the last NFL team uh, that has not yet dipped their toe into that. And of course, the Giants. Uh, or Chris's team, they're off to a three and one start. This is the first time when we get to that game that we have two teams with a winning record ever in an international series game in the UK. There may have been one in the Mexico game or in the uh, Toronto games they played, but in the UK games, they've not had two teams with a winning record, but they've got it with the Giants and the Packers this week. So we're ready to talk about all the games this week. I know you guys are going to want to hear about Cowboys, Rams, Bengals, Ravens, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We'll get to all of those, including can my Buccaneers rebound in the division with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll discuss it all. First, though, let's take a look at our records uh, right now for the show as we get ready for the fifth weekend here. You can see we are right at the 500 mark. Again, for Chris and Scott, we've had some success. For example, last week, Brad Thomas uh, was with us on the show, and he had a 500 week, I believe, at 3-3-1. Las Vegas, Chris, was here with a 6-2 week. So right now, we've been okay. We pledge to be better on the show starting today, giving you handicapping advice. I can tell you, looking at the sheet, we have got a bevy, a bevy of picks from our guys. The handicappers will be going on the record uh, left and right here on the program today. With that in mind, let's get to it right away, shall we, guys? And game number one is going to be a Thursday night game involving the Denver Broncos. More national TV for a Broncos team uh, whose defense should maybe be kept away from TV. Hide the women and children with how their offense Uh, has not produced. Anyway, they're hosting Indianapolis. This is Thursday night football. It is game number one. The Broncos, the the routine three-point home favorite that we see a lot in the NFL. The number is 42. Chris Farley, let's begin with you with what you like here and why in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to go aggressive right out the gate here and go with a parlay. Uh, You know, I don't trust the Broncos to cover any lines these days, but they are at home. We saw the way they played against San Francisco a few weeks ago. Now, I kind of blame the conservative play calling of Shanahan in that game for a lot of what happened there, too. But I think the Denver Broncos defense, especially at home, they can really bring it. We're going to see a lot of that this year. And what is there to like on both ends about these offenses? I mean, at this point, I think we can say 
the Indianapolis Colts on offense are just, they're not very good, right? And I know some of the stats aren't that bad, right? They got some passing yards, right? The passing game. But a lot of it has come from behind points, right? Like last week, I get it. The Titans didn't do much in the second half, but they didn't have to. They went up 24 to 7. And when it mattered, they made the right plays. Matt Ryan, when it matters, that offensive line, when it matters, I just don't trust it very much. Denver at home with their defense, they're top 10 in a lot of categories that matter. Uh, they're good against the pass, only allowing 5.3 yards per pass, you know, 170 pass yards per game. And if, if, if the Colts are going to win this game, I don't think they're going to be able to do it on the ground because we know Jonathan Taylor is out of this one. The, that Colts offensive line just hasn't been that great. And, you know, with the backup running back, no Jonathan Taylor. Hmm. I like the Denver Broncos to win it straight up. And I don't see where the points are coming from in this one because on both sides, the defenses are more mature than their offenses. So I, I think that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of points. I don't think it's going to be a very exciting Thursday night game. But I'll parlay under 42 and the Broncos to win it straight up. Interesting uh, on this. Scott Kellen, the running backs are an issue for both teams. Javante Williams, uh, the fine second year back out of North Carolina, tore his knee up in Vegas last weekend, out for the year, torn ACL. Melvin Gordon can't hang on to the ball. He's already got four lost fumbles, either four or five on the season so denver has struggled in the run game as well what do you make of this thursday night matchup if not an official play uh no play for me i'm going to go against chris a little bit but one of the reasons i'm not playing this based on my numbers is for a lot of the reasons that chris said but my numbers do have this uh closer to about 45 points now the numbers are based off player ratings and they're really based off of what i think we thought at the beginning of the year maybe we'd get out of Denver's offense. And I think that'll come at some point. So, you know, there's a happy medium in there. I worry a little bit about all the injuries. Uh, these two teams just looking, uh, India's surprisingly, because like Chris said, and maybe some of this is garbage time, but they're number nine, India's in big pass plays, Denver number six. So both these teams are hitting big pass plays down the field. Uh, Sertan has been, you know, a phenomenal cornerback for Denver this year. And, you know, I don't know how many receivers really that Indy has to throw to. So, I worry a little bit about all that. Um, you know, Denver likes to run the ball. Indy has been number two against the uh, the rush this year in terms of yards per rush. So they've kind of stuffed the run, and, you know, we'll see what that means for Russell Wilson if they have to throw the ball. But uh, I make the number about three, so not nothing there. I will say Denver qualifies in a kind of a negative system uh, as a favorite coming off a game last week where they allowed quite a few points. Uh, so, you know, possibly a lean from that aspect to Indy. But – I just don't like what Indy's doing. Having said all that, you know, if you look at the uh, yards per play last week, Indy kind of dominated. I didn't get to watch a lot of the Indy-Tennessee game, but yards per play-wise, they kind of dominated that game. They turned it over twice inside their own territory that Tennessee turned into touchdowns. So maybe that game plays out a little bit differently if they didn't have the turnovers. But a little bit of a lean to the over just because that's where my numbers take me. I respect them. Uh, But I'm not playing it for a lot of the reasons that Chris said. Understood on that. And again, for the Broncos, Russell Wilson, does he have any magic left? I mean, we now have a sample size, guys, do we not, through four games where he's having trouble, even with good receivers. Jerry Judy back, mostly healthy. Cortland Sutton, they're still having problems. And it's a first-year coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who's under fire. So uh, just a quick opinion here before we go on the record one more time with Chris. A quick opinion, Chris, on Russell Wilson. I I know you believe in him tonight, at least to the extent that you're going with him. But what about Russell Wilson? Yeah, Russell Wilson in primetime games, too, not very good. I think he's something like 3-9 and nine or something like that uh, against the spread. But, yeah, I, I think 
this game is just going to be one in the red zone. Uh, the, the Broncos are last place in the NFL. 30% of their red zone possessions have amounted in touchdowns. But the Colts, they allow a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. 80%, one of the worst defenses in the NFL on that. So Russell Wilson, you know, he can't stretch the field the same way. But if he can just, you know, make some of these red zone scores happen, right, get some points on the board early at home, that's going to put the Colts in a really tough spot to come back in Denver. We'll see if Sertan locks up Michael Pittman, who is the best receiving weapon for Matt Ryan. Scott, a quick weigh-in on Russell Wilson. Are we being uh, too judgmental, maybe only four games in, or do we have enough sample size to say uh, maybe he's lost some of what he had in Seattle and they were maybe smart to move on? You know, it's interesting. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with it's too early yet. I will point out um, when um, Green Bay made the coaching change back in 2019, Green Bay went 13-3 and that year. Uh, but offensively, they were an average offense. Whatever they were averaging per play, that was the same that, you know, the, the competition they were facing. So, and they're essentially running a very similar offense, I believe, with Nan Nathaniel Hackett there now. So this may take a while. Uh, you know, the, the following year, Rodgers was much better offensively. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Russell Wilson. I, I would, I'd prefer to defer to everything that we've seen previous and give him some hope to possibly do something you know, going forward, I just don't know how quickly it's going to happen. And like you said, he's really only on on the same page with maybe one receiver right now as well. And again, they did pull out the win with San Francisco with him playing well in the fourth quarter. They were not very good, especially in the second half against the Raiders last week, for whatever it's worth. Chris Farley, however, undaunted, says Denver back at home. And he's got two plays here. He's got a parlay play uh, with the Denver Broncos. And he's part and he's parlaying it here with the underplay of under 42 points for this game uh, tonight. The, the Thursday night game, if you're with us live here on Thursday at one Eastern time, we'll see what happens with Thursday night football. Can the Colts make something happen on the road? Uh, Battle of the horses, the Broncos, Broncos with that home field advantage too. loud crowd too. we'll see if that's the case. Quick reminder, because I had not done so. If you have not, as of yet, hit the like button, help us out, hit the bell down below here. We're here Thursdays at one Eastern time live, get in the live chat. You'll see some comments coming across the screen uh, here from time to time on the certain games that we're on. We see you in the live chat, keep it up. Uh, and again, share the show out, tell more people about it. Uh, we're excited to be here on BetUS Thursdays previewing all the NFL games. You're going to get every game today that's on the card. I promise we'll move things along. Kellen's got a flight to catch, a, a, <laughs> an international flight to catch. Of course we're going to get him out of here. I pledge you that's going to happen. Speaking of international, let's get to it. The Giants and the Green Bay Packers playing in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We saw a wild game last week that Minnesota won on a last-second a uh, last-minute field goal for them and a last-second field goal that was a double-doink, no good for the Saints. Will this game be as good? Look at that. Green Bay heftily favored on the BetUS line, minus 9. The total is 41. Both handicappers have plays on this. Scott Kellen, let's begin with you. This game at 9.30 uh, Eastern time on uh, Sunday morning U.S. time. That's 2.30 in the afternoon London time, 8.30 Central. Adjust the, the other time zones uh, accordingly, what is that? 4:35, 5, 5 a.m. in Hawaii, I think, where you just were. Whatever. Uh, it, it was 3:30 because I got up and watched a New Orleans game when I was there on Three, Sunday morning. 3:30 in the morning in Hawaii. I can tell you. <laughs> Adjust the time zones accordingly on that. All right, Scott, you have an official. In fact, you have a couple of official plays here. What do you like? Uh, I'm going to play the Packers on a teaser here. Uh, I would play them up to minus nine, uh, but there's a caveat, and 
at the time that we're doing the show, I don't know about some of the injury situation with Green Bay. Speaking about uh, Jair Alexander, the cornerback, and also Amos, the uh, safety, who went out with a concussion last week. So uh, I would not be wanting to lay nine uh, if if neither one of those play. So a little concerned about that. Uh, but I still feel okay uh, teasing this down as long as we can get it under three. Um, both these teams actually run the ball pretty well. Uh, neither team actually stops the run very well. Uh, so this could be a pretty heavy running game. I, I just don't know what you can like about the Giants right now. And, and I'm, you know, obviously Chris is a Giants fan, so I, I want to get his opinion. Uh, you know, they sit three and one. You know, they could probably be one and three. Uh, they're last in the league in big pass plays, so they they do not get the ball down the field. I feel like they're moving the ball with Daniel Jones' legs, and that that's really keeping their offense going from time to time. Uh, I think Green Bay can probably do a little bit better job of uh, kind of uh, reining that in a little bit, which will make it harder for the Giants to move the ball. And Green Bay, uh, you know, their offense hasn't been great, but they are, I'm just looking here, number four in the league in big pass plays. So they're getting the ball down the field. Uh, I feel like their defense is, is a better defense. I feel pretty good about getting this to under a field goal. Uh, via a teaser. Uh, we'll talk about the other leg later. Um, so I'm going to tease it, get it under a field goal. My numbers support it. I just think Green Bay is the better team here. Um, and I just don't know what I really what. And and just add to that, the Giants, I mean, they have almost no receivers as well. They make it a couple guys back this week, but I just struggle to see how they're going to move the ball other than possibly running it because teams are running the ball. I'll, I'll give them that. But um, I'm going to lay it in the teaser with Green Bay. Chris Farley, they are 3-1, and one, but they are offensively challenged. Kenny Galladay is also hurt. We don't know what his status is uh, with this game traveling over to London to be able to play. They already lost Sterling Shepard. They do have Saquon Barkley. What are your thoughts? I think you've got an official play, too, as well here, Chris. Yeah, I do. I, I really love the under in this game. It's actually one of my favorite plays this week. And a lot of that is because of what I saw, I've seen from the Giants' defense so far. We all kind of know that the Green Bay defense is really good. I don't think that they've been optimal just yet. You know, they're still kind of working out some kinks. Uh, Jair Alexander playing or not playing is a big deal this week. But it, it, it feels like it should be a big deal. But is it? Because the Giants, I mean, 13 <laughs> passes from Daniel Jones last week, three passes for 25 yards to their wide receivers. So they are just not, they don't even need their wide receivers, apparently. I mean, that's at least a style that they're going to, try to play at, but I don't think that's going to work against the Packers. So, I mean, I, I, I favor the Packers in this game too. The thing about this though, from like an intangible standpoint, right? Coach Dayball, something is going on here with Coach Dayball and the Giants. He just has them fighting. And you especially see that on defense. You got to give some credit to Dominic Martindale in that regard. The players are flying around. They're not a very talented unit, but they put forth a ton of effort every week. And I just, I have to believe that Dayball he has this team pumped up knowing that they're huge underdogs in London. The Packers is always kind of a finesse team to me. You know, they, you know, they're from green Bay, right? So you kind of think that, you know, blue collar team, but not really, right. If they get punched in the mouth early, we've seen Aaron Rodgers you know, kind of tremble in some of these situations. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen here, but I don't think they can really pull away in this game. I think the giants can make some things happen on the ground. They're a top five running team so far this year. And not against the worst defenses. And, you know, the Packers, bottom third of the league in yards allowed per rush, bottom third of the league in uh, rush yards allowed per game. So, you know, the Packers know what's coming, right? The Giants just don't really have a passing game right now. So I wouldn't favor the Giants in this one. I wouldn't bet on the Giants in this one. I think a teaser on, on the Packers is a good move. 
I just don't really see where the offense is going to come on both sides of the ball. A little wind there coming into London, too, about 12 miles an hour. That's not that significant, especially not with Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. But again, these Green Bay wide receivers aren't really impressing me either. Like, they're not gaining a ton of separation. So I think the Giants can stick around because of their defense, because they're going to blitz Aaron Rodgers a lot. So I think this is going to be a little bit closer than people realize. Would much rather tease the Packers than play the Packers straight up. But I really love the under in this one. All right, let's get both guys on the record. This is the London game, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's early. Scott Kellen's got it as part of a tease, teasing down the Packers line. Chris Farley loves the under in this matchup. And again, Daniel Jones, a question mark. He's expected to play, but he's been limited in practice with the ankle injury. Tyrod Taylor even got hurt uh, last week. They may have to go to be, call Eli off the Manning cast, go to Phil Sims, go to Y.A. Tittle. I don't know if Wyatt Tittle's still living. I shouldn't throw that name out there on the BetUS NFL show. They got to go to somebody. Uh, maybe here, if Daniel Jones' ankle is not holding up, we'll see what happens in that matchup. All right, let's move on. Early games in the NFL that are back on the North American continent. That includes Seattle and New Orleans. What to make of this where the Seahawks come off a wild win themselves over Detroit last week, 48-45. Put a lot of points on the board with Geno Smith. Had to, had to have him. Had to have a lot of points because Jared Goff and the and the Lions kept scoring in the second half. Meanwhile, Jameis Winston, we see him on the picture there. Jameis did not play last week, did not practice midweek here. Don't know his status. Andy Dalton, the veteran, played instead of him. Looks like the Saints may be getting Alvin Kamara back. Our number is 46 on this game. There's no official play. Chris Farley, I'm going to come right back to you. Do you believe in Geno Smith and Seattle? Back-to-back weeks on the road for them, by the way. Saints had to come all the way back from London, for whatever that's worth. Any belief here, Chris, if no official play in Geno and the Seahawks? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, this is a really tough game for me because this feels like a regression game, right? Saints coming back home off another tough loss. Uh, you know, typical Vikings and Saints game, by the way, right? Some of those penalties in the second half mm, seemed like they were certainly favoring the Vikings. And then the way they missed that field goal at the end, a double doink, uh, mm-hmm. that was brutal for Saints fans. But they were in that game at the end. They played well in the second half. Andy Dalton did too. Uh, so now they're coming back home. I, I just, I feel like this is still a Sean Payton line, right? Like we're anticipating that the Saints are going to button up and they're going to take care of business at home, answer the call against a roster in the Seattle Seahawks that just isn't as talented as the Saints. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Plus, someone like D.K. Metcalf, who's been thriving in the Seattle offense, he doesn't have quite the matchup this week. right? Marshawn Lattimore, this is where he thrives against a big-bodied wide receiver like D.K. So I think it's a good setup for the Saints' defense. But you have to say, Geno Smith, historic completion percentage so far through four games. He's not making mistakes. Really, it was week two, right, where everyone was like, oh, the Seahawks are the Seahawks, right? The 49ers blew them out. But in in every other game, they looked like a formidable team who could at least move the ball, and they certainly stretched the field. I mean, yards per pass, they're top five. So it's just one of these teams where it's kind of hard to figure out yet. I want to play on the Saints here and anticipate some regression, but I just think this is a little too much. It was at six earlier this week. I think the line movement dropping down is is a little sharper i i have the seahawks as four and a half point underdogs here on the road so i have a, i show a little value on the seahawks but at the same time with such a small sample size it's still hard to trust a seahawks team that let's face it on paper the saints especially with alvin Kamara coming back which i think he is you know the saints should be able to control a game like this especially with their defense Just, scott kellen yeah i don't feel confident in either side 
Understood. So no official play. Scott Kellen to you. Thoughts here on a second straight road game for Seattle. But again, it's equalized by New Orleans and Minnesota, neither one of whom getting a bye week. New Orleans got to come back from London and play the game here. Any quick thought if no official play, Scott, on this one? Uh, yeah, first thing I'll say, and thank you for reminding me of those pass interference uh, calls, Chris. I had a great number under 43 and a half. <laughs> I'm sitting in my hotel room. Uh, we started at 3.30 watching that game. That pass interference was probably about 5 a.m. I let out a rather loud, effing, uh, loud Effenheimer and then realized, ooh, I might be waking people up. It's very early in the morning here. We do not want hotel security on the yeah. door at 5 a.m. in Hawaii for what? Yes, that's, that's yeah. a better. Uh, is that still considered like late Saturday night game or early Sunday morning game if you're watching at 3.30 a.m. live in the local? Oh, what do you that, consider that? Yeah, I don't that's, know. Uh, that's, well, I was on Kauai, so it's a very quiet island, so I'm going to go with yeah. early morning game instead. Early so. morning Sunday. Okay. Uh, All right. But uh, as far as the game, uh, first – I got stuff kind of going both ways here. First of all, Seattle qualifies in a pretty good situation. That's 5-0 and this year. It's 226 wins, 147 losses over a long period going back, where if you get two average teams playing, basically 500 or less, totals higher than 44, which we have here, uh, you basically ride the dog if they're getting three or more points. So, and that that's worked to the tune of 5-0 and this year. Is New Orleans an average team? Yeah, you know, right now, maybe so. Um, but so that kind of supports Seattle. My numbers, assuming Camaro plays, makes New Orleans about a six-point favorite. And that would actually go up a little bit if Winston and, and or Michael Thomas played, uh, which would obviously lean towards New Orleans. So really no opinion for me here. The situation certainly favors Seattle, and it's done well over the years. Uh, but the line, especially if we get a couple of these other guys playing, uh, might actually favor New Orleans. So it's a pass for me. All right, no official play from the handicappers. And again, midweek, Jameis Winston limited uh, in practice. Michael Thomas limited in practice. So we don't know their statuses for this one. Can Pete Carroll and the Seahawks get another win where early on, a lot of people thought after that opening night win, they might not win again till like Halloween. They might now be three and two if they can get this win on hey, Sunday. GJ, we'll see. I'll, I'll yeah. just add one other thing, kind of supports New Orleans. Sorry about that. Um, you know, the, Saints come in here with the number seven uh, rushing game, at least in terms of yards per rush, Seattle number 28. So, again, they get some of these guys back and they can run the ball down their throat. You know, maybe that would favor New Orleans as well. But, again, pass for me. We will see what happens. Again, uh, that is the matchup uh, in the Big Easy as we move on on the Bet US NFL show. Let's get to a game of all the big matchups that we have this weekend. This would not be one of them. Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nonetheless, it is an AFC South showdown. Look at that. When was the last time the Jaguars were seven and a half point favorites against anybody? They are favored on the bet US line over Houston by seven and a half. Played all right at Philadelphia, got some turnovers against the Eagles and hung in, but the Eagles ended up getting the win and the cover to remain undefeated. Number is 43 and a half. Again, there's not an official play. Scott Kellen, I'm going to come right back to you. We're just going to kind of alternate here. Any thought real quick on this game with Jacksonville seemingly improved, Houston still struggling to find themselves. Any quick thought here? Uh, just from a number standpoint, I kind of make the number seven, seven and a half, make the total 43. So we're right there. Uh, the only thing I'd really add, Houston, they have a lot of a lot of pressure this year, 27th in the league and in allowing pressure, Jacksonville number nine. Uh, so they, they figured to be able to put some pressure on them. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, when, when I look at the numbers, they're right there. So it's, it's not going to be a play for me. All right. So a clean pass 
uh, from him on this. Again, uh, Chris Farley, the Jaguars behind Trevor Lawrence have put some points on the board. They look devastating uh, in the uh, win over the Chargers a couple of weeks ago. Then it was a tough ask, wasn't it, to go to Philadelphia back-to-back road games and beat the unbeaten Eagles? That didn't happen. Now you're at home with easier competition. No official play, but a thought here on Jags, Texans. Yeah, really tough one here. Uh, you know, throughout the season so far, right, the Jags are like climbing down my power ratings. and better and better. I'm like, okay, I have to respect this Jaguars team a little bit more. But if you look at the Houston Texans as like maybe 30, 31, 32 ranked in the NFL, are the Jaguars, you know, more towards the, the top tier of NFL teams right now? Or are they still, you know, the bottom half? I, I don't know. I'm kind of in between on the Jaguars because, yes, they played nine fantastic quarters right, against the Colts, um, against the Chargers in the first quarter against the Eagles. But then, you know, progression hit, right? And we kind of saw the Eagles dominate that game. But I will say a lot of turnovers, a lot of fumbles from Trevor Lawrence in that last game, and they still almost covered that line. So kind of impressive how the Jaguars have been, no doubt about it. But this is a divisional game. Houston has thrived in this spot against Jacksonville as a dog. So no play for me either. Everything is kind of right where it's supposed to be in this game. I'd rather just sit back and watch. And again, we've got a uh, viewer watching us live on the BetUS NFL show that wants to know, can the Jags defense shut down Davis Mills? The Texans have been able to run the ball with Pierce uh, some in in their uh, game so far this year. I just, I don't know. I don't know if they have enough. And it will be hot in North Florida. It's an outdoor game. The Texans have been playing a lot of indoor games. Obviously, they play at home indoors, uh, but they also had... Uh, another game of theirs, I believe, also that was indoors uh, as well. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like for Jacksonville in this. Did you guys have a quick thought on whether the Texans can score a little bit? Both of you were kind of nodding along and talking about struggle to score points, especially for Houston, right? Anybody got a thought? Uh, I mean, the only thing I would say, Houston likes to run the ball, obviously, um, and they've run it okay. But Jacksonville's been very good against the run. They allow 3.6 yards of rush. They're fifth in the league and defending the run. So, I think they're going to be there to to definitely defend the run there uh, and probably put it in Davis Mills' hands. And, you know, he he's shown he can do some things once in a while, but uh, uh, I still think Houston will struggle. Other than, like Chris said, Houston's kind of owned them. They beat them twice last year, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes from that. Different coaching staff with Doug Peterson, and they definitely are fighting harder for him, it seems like, at the moment. At this point last year, they were looking, how do we get rid of Urban Meyer already? Uh, in October of last year. So uh, we'll see on that one. All right, let's move on. Uh, again, this is an intriguing matchup where the Bills had such a great win last week over the Ravens in Baltimore. Now they're at home. The Steelers, meanwhile, stubbed their toe big time against the Jets at home. The Jets outplayed them, especially in the fourth quarter. And look at that likeness on our screen. It's the Kenny Pickett era in Pittsburgh. They've announced they're going with him after he replaced Mitch Trubisky during the game last week. And look at the line, 14 points. Am I correct? You guys would be able to help help keep me straight here. That's the largest line or one of the largest lines so far this season. Any game is a 14-point line in favor of the Buffalo Bills, the number 46-and-a-half. No official play here, but Chris Farley will come to you for a quick thought on Buffalo back at home off of a great win for them against a rookie quarterback making his first start. Hello, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk a lot of intangibles in this one, kind of forget the X and O's. Uh, you know, Bills are coming off two straight tough weeks, right? South Florida heat, and then they, they rose to the occasion last week in Baltimore. Great comeback in the second half, stifled that Ravens offense. 
so so now they're going back home, and yeah, it's a juggernaut Bills team who, you know, at home you were just thinking they're going to smash a lot of teams, but probably well documented by now, everybody knows. The Steelers haven't been this much of an underdog since the merger, right? I mean, the Steelers have just been a pretty good team for a very long time. And you better believe Mike Tomlin is using that, right? He's using that as an even more of a motivational tool for the Steelers to play their all-around best game. Last year, week one, Sixers, uh, the Steelers were about six-and-a-half-point underdogs, I believe, one straight up against the Bills. I don't think that's going to happen this time. For 14-point dogs, the Bills are a fantastic Team. They deserve to be a Super Bowl contender. But Kenny Pickett, the thing about him is he kind of has an edge to him. You know, I, I I like his attitude when he goes out there. He has confidence. I think he's comfortable with this team. And even though he had three picks last week, two of those picks were not his fault. You know, tip balls in the air. He's trying to make something happen. So he has a lot to learn. But I think, you know, we could all be a little surprised here. This could be a pretty competitive game right down to the end because the Bills have to figure that they can probably play more conservatively here, right? I mean, Josh Allen has been killing himself, keeping his team in the game. Uh, so now this is a game where maybe, okay, Josh, you know, don't run as much. Let's play a little bit more conservatively. Meanwhile, the Steelers, who know they're not going to the Super Bowl this year, might treat this as a really aggressive, creative, you know, let's get at this team type of game. So it sets up for an underdog to cover. I wouldn't want to play on the Bills here. Still wouldn't be surprised if they covered this line. But against a historic, you know, traditional winning team like the Steelers, uh, I, I have to lean to the Steelers plus 14. Well, again, they have had trouble running the ball with Najee Harris. The defense got pushed around some. Did you see this stat? I saw this from wherever, the Elias Sports Bureau or whoever stats had this. Kenny Pickett became the first quarterback ever in the NFL in a game with 13 or more passes where none of them touched the ground. Yep. That is to say he completed 10 passes to the Steelers and he completed three passes to the Jets as interceptions. It's the first time ever that a quarterback with at least 13 attempts had no passes touch the ground, no, no incompletions. So he's got to do better on the three interceptions. We'll see if he can in Buffalo. This is ripe, though. This is ripe for the Bills here, you would think, against a rookie quarterback. Um, yeah, how about that? Mike G saying not since they drafted uh, Terry Bradshaw, the Steelers, uh, Terry Bradshaw out of Louisiana Tech. Kenny Pickett is the hometown guy out of Pitt. So they're cheering him on big time, but it's a road game at Buffalo. So no official play from our handicappers on that one coming Sunday. A game that is intriguing for a lot of reasons with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off of back-to-back -back losses, including a Sunday night whipping at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. They were beaten up physically. Chiefs ran on them. Patrick Mahomes worked his magic. Now the Buccaneers are 2-2 two and two after starting the year 2-0 and oh on the road. The Atlanta Falcons come in off a win off of Cleveland, beat Cleveland last week. Marcus Mariota and company, though, 10-point underdogs. The total is 47 for this one. And Chris Farley, we're going to come right back to you for an official play on this one, and I believe it is part of a parlay for you as well. What do you like and why? Yeah, this is a seven-point teaser for me. You know, man, BetUS likes to move these lines up right before we do this show. It was, I did have two and a half on this, but, uh, you know, okay, I'll tease it down seven points and I'll take the three. I, w I wish I got under that three, but I'm mm -hmm. going to tease this with another play. Um, I mean, this is what you call, uh, just like last week, right, with the Bengals, and we saw what happened in that game against the Dolphins. This is just a, a situational dream for the Bucks. Off two losses, they're still at home. That vaunted defense allowed, what, 41 points last week in a revenge game for the Chiefs. 
to me, that's a lot of Patrick Mahomes and his magic, right? I, like I didn't, I didn't come away from that game being like, man, the Bucks defense maybe it's not that good. No, it's 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 still really good. That was just you know Patrick Mahomes was was very focused in that game, and now here come the Falcons, right? And everyone's like, oh, Falcons are four zero against the spread. They fight hard to put up some offense. A, a lot of top ten rankings from their offense, so they're staying in these games. But that's a young team. It's a, it's a lot of inexperienced starters that are now going to Tampa Bay against an angry Tom Brady, who I guess is filing divorce papers. You know, add that to the list of things just to <laughs> piss them off for this game. Uh, you know, I just you know some of these starters on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now they have some warmth. You know, they've been out there on the field, maybe developing a little bit of chemistry. This feels like an absolute smash spot for the Bucks at home. Still, though, you got to respect what the Falcons have done, climbing their way back into these games. So I'd rather tease it down. I'll take it down to three, and I'll combine that with another teaser leg in a future play. Scott Kellen, Tom Brady, four for four in beating and covering against the Falcons. And it's not a technical term, but I love to use it. Wrong place, wrong time is what Scott is, is what uh, Chris Farley's talking about. Are the Falcons in the wrong place at the wrong time in Tampa Sunday? If no official play, what do you think? Uh, I think they are. I, you know, I was going to tease this as well, and then not being able to get it under three, I just I just pulled it off. But if you're able to tease it, I would say six, six and a half point uh, at minus 125 or less, and you can get it under three. I think it's a very valuable play. Um, I do think they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, my numbers greatly support Tampa Bay in this game. They actually also support the under uh, fairly decently. I'm not sure where to go with that. But I do think the defense will rise to the occasion here. Uh, you know, they were, they were beaten pretty badly, and I, I think they're going to be. And, you know, look, you would know this better than me, TJ, but I think a lot of what came about last, and I had Tampa Bay in a great line. I had plus two and a half and plus three last week. Um, but a lot, you know, might have just been because of the hurricane and getting, uh, you know, placed down in Miami for the week and stuff. And who knows how much, A, that affected them, and then almost that first turnover, which just, kind of changed mm-hmm. the game a little bit as well. So I would expect the defense to rise to the occasion here. Um, and, and maybe that helps me get to the under as well if I decide to play that. Um, and uh, I guess the other point I was going to make, uh, what I was going to say, some, oh, um, I don't remember what else I was going to say in that. Sorry. How about yeah, how about sir. Brady has covered, I believe it's nine point or bigger line all four times for what it's worth the last couple of years against Atlanta. I can throw that in there. And the Buccaneer defense, again, that was more about Kansas City. I can tell you that that Mahomes play that we've all been seeing, guys, that that play um, was right in front of me when he came right to the inside the five yard line. I'm down there in my radio duties with the Buccaneers and the radio broadcast. And he did the pirouette right in front of me. And I thought he was going to maybe get smashed and he didn't. I don't know how many quarterbacks on the planet make that play where they just turn around and make the flick into the end zone, kind of the option pass flick that he made to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You got to chalk a lot of that up to the success, obviously, that Kansas City has had on offense when they get rolling and they, they were in a revenge mode. So I give them a lot of credit. I just don't know that the Falcons can replicate that. We'll see if the Falcons can replicate that uh, or not. Here the, on the other this. thing I was going to add is no no Cordero uh, Patterson and Kyle Pitts yes. has got a hamstring. So I mean, it, if if they're playing without both of those guys, I know Pitts hasn't done a ton yet this year, but uh, that's going to impact them as well. All right, and we had somebody asking a second ago about Tom Brady props. We had a viewer asking about that. Is this a week? Maybe Chris Farley, real quick, a week to maybe look at Tom Brady individual props. 
Yeah, I, I'm not too sure about that because I think they can control this game on the ground if they wanted to. You know, Fournette really hasn't gotten going so far yet either. So, uh, you know, Brady still uh, it just still looks like there's still some kinks in the armor still, right? You got to get this pass game kind of fluid and more rhythmic. Um, so I, I don't think we're quite there yet. I would look at that maybe later in the season for Tom Brady. But but again, I mean, if there's any spot, right, I would just I would look at Tom Brady's spots when he's in when he's in a game where he's going to have to throw the ball a lot, right? He's going to be like a high percent, you know, against a really formidable offense. The Falcons have been that way so far, but this is a huge test on the road and without some key players. So I don't know if Brady's going to have to throw the ball as much in this contest. All right, let's lock it in officially. And again, for Chris Farley here, he's doing this as part of a tease coming up here. He is going to uh, tease that line down to three, as he was talking about. Might have wanted it at two and a half. We're going to tease that line down a little bit. Uh, all right, so that's the official play that he has on this one. And it won't take long to pay off what the tease is on because it's going to be part of the next game. And that is the Minnesota Vikings playing host to the Chicago Bears. Interesting again for Minnesota. Normally these teams from London get an off week, uh, get a bye week after the international game. Not the case for the Saints and the Vikings this soon in the season. They're both playing this week uh, off the London game. So the Vikings come back home here to play against the uh, Chicago Bears in this matchup. Minnesota, a hefty seven and a half point favorite in this one. Um, all right, and, and both handicappers uh, here are going to be interested in this game. Scott Kellen, let's go to you here because it's the payoff of a tease for you earlier in the show. What do you like about this one and why? Yeah, I'm going to tease Minnesota down. Uh, we'll get them down to, uh, I, I think, basically one here. Uh, and I'm also going to play the Vikings minus seven and a half as well. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any problem playing that either. Uh, you might be able to find a minus seven, but I'll play it at seven and a half as well. I favor the Vikings quite a bit in this game. You know, Chicago kind of comes in kind of like the Giants. The, the Bears are second uh, worst in a league in big pass plays. They just do not move the ball. They don't really throw the ball. Uh, they settled for, what, four field goals last week, which, you know, they had a backup kicker, so they, they made all those field goals, which is great. But um, I, I just think this is going to be problematic for the Bears. I don't love this Vikings team, and we'll see, you know, if there's a, a bit of a hangover coming from coming back from London. Uh, you know, that's that's to be determined. But um, I, I just don't see the Bears being able to compete against this Viking teams. I to me, the, the Bears are either the worst or second worst team in a league. Um, and I just think this is a pretty good matchup for Minnesota to kind of get the running game going uh, against a team like Chicago uh, and, and just be able to control the ball and do what they want at home. Um, and I just don't see the Bears being able to move the ball or score a lot of points on the road with Justin Fields uh, as well. All right. Interesting here as it's part of his teaser. It's also part of a teaser for you as well, uh, Chris Farley. Uh, a thought here that the fantasy owners are going crazy that Dalvin Cook's not getting touches in and around the goal line, not getting touchdowns. Kirk Cousins at times is shaky with some of the throws, but yet Minnesota's three and one. What are your thoughts? And I know you've got an official play here. You've got a teaser play you like as well in this game. Yeah, I'm going to tease down the Vikings too to a win. Um, you know, have to do that seven points, right? Because I'm doing that with the Bucks. But, yeah, I mean, th this is not a good setup for the Bears, right? I mean, Minnesota gets to go back home. This is where Minnesota thrives, and they're kind of comfy. You know, Kirk Cousins, he loves a 1 o'clock spot in the afternoon at home. Uh, and to Scott's point, right, I mean, the Bears can't stretch the field. I mean, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's just 
you know, what Justin Fields has available at, at, at wide receiver is just very thin. Now, the Bears do a good job of running the ball, and the Vikings have not been very good against the run on defense. But I think the Vikings could go up, and they can go up quick in this one. And then you have the Bears trying to come back for the entire game, right? Uh, and, you know, the Bears' past defensive statistics are pretty good, but look who they face. You know, they face the 49ers in a, in a practical hurricane. You know, and then they face the Packers, and they, did, they didn't cover that game, right? Then they beat the Texans and they face the Giants. So, like, you know, these aren't, you know, premier passing teams, right? Uh, when they go up against the Vikings, I just think it's going to be a different story. Kirk hasn't had that spot since week one where he, him and his offense really exploded. So this just feels like the spot for them to do that. And the Vikings defense tends to play up at home, too. Uh, I think the only way you can look in this one is the Vikings. So final leg of my teaser, Bucks and Vikings, Bucks minus three, Vikings just to win. Roll. All right, let's lock both guys in. Again, as Chris just mentioned, on the second half of his teaser play and also the same second half of a teaser play for Scott from his earlier play with Green Bay, as he was mentioning, they're saying Vikings, Vikings. Again, say what you want about the offense's struggles uh, at times. They've done enough. They got the double doink on the field goal attempt by the Saints to help them stay out of overtime. Let's keep in mind, I only would have put the game in overtime had the Saints made the kick. Uh, amazing. Um, that Will Lutz, the Saints kicker, had made a 60-yard field goal a little while earlier from the same spot at the midfield logo. He was trying about a half yard back, about 61 yards, 60 and a half yards, whatever. And it goes off the left upright, off the crossbar, and Minnesota gets a happy flight home all the way back to Minneapolis from London. And the Saints have their head down at one and three. It's how the ball bounced last Sunday. These guys are liking the Vikings, though, in the traditional matchup in the NFC North with the Chicago Bears. A reminder again, we're live here Thursdays at 1 Eastern time, depending on however you're seeing it. If you're seeing segments uh, of the uh, of the show, et cetera, we're live at 1 Eastern. We've got the live chat going with your comments, et cetera. We're going through every game. You'll get every game on the BetUS NFL show as we rock along. Let's continue. Next up. On the list here is a game involving a team that had a good uh, bounce back week last week. That's the Tennessee Titans. We already spoke about how they went to Indianapolis and won. Now they've got the matchup with the Washington Commanders, a team that is floundering, that lost in Dallas last week. Carson Wentz's play is struggling. There's no official play here, but Scott Kellen, I'm going to go come back to you to Tennessee. Find something against the Colts last week. Derrick Henry ran it well. You mentioned earlier in the show opportunistic defense. I guess what did they find last week, and can it continue on the road in D.C.? Well, I'll tell you, I I think you got to respect Mike Brabel, Brabel, and uh, and uh, you know what he can do with the team. He's he's a very good coach, so certainly respect that. And, uh, you know, that's always going to come to the table in any game. He's going to have the team ready. Um, I don't have any play here for Washington. My God, they, uh, you know, that defensive line got beat up a few weeks ago. I mean, it's, it's just been horrendous for them. Uh, and now the offensive line, I mean, seriously, us three could probably audition for them and have a chance. I mean, they, they've got nobody left in that offensive line as, at all. Dotson is a little banged up. I, he may not have practiced or may have been limited yesterday. Uh, this this team's a mess right now. I mean, they cannot move the ball, uh, you know, and now you're going to go up against a Tennessee team who they, you know, they were, Tennessee was missing a couple guys last, last week, Hooker uh, in the secondary. He might come back as well to help them. Uh, it's just my, having said all that, my numbers kind of support Washington a, a little bit. And I have to keep looking at those numbers and and like, am I missing something? Because it, it kind of just shocks me. And 
there's just no way I can take Washington right now with just what they're putting out on the field and displaying. So it's a pass for me, but this Washington team is really, really beat up. I'll add one thing that kind of applies to all these games this week, uh, or many of them. Uh, Guys that were put on the injured reserve at the beginning of the season, that's a four-week stint. And now it's possible, you know, you you see a lot of updates where they're, uh, I'm going to get the term wrong probably, but activating them and whatnot. They can practice for three weeks. At some point they can play. So it's a little hard it's to tell. The evaluate, if I can interject, it's called the evaluation period. They can evaluate yes. them for two or three weeks and activate them at any point along the way. But if you don't activate them within the three weeks, they stay on injured reserve, I believe, for the remainder of the year. you got to yeah, bring them off, yeah. I think. I, so. Yeah, I think you're correct in that, TJ. And so you kind of have to watch and see if some of these guys might come back and some of these teams in Washington's got guys that you know fit that mode uh, that might help them. But. Right now, they're just too decimated for me to want to get involved with anything on them. And again, the commanders can't seem to protect Carson Wentz, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Chris Farley, any thoughts here, Tennessee? Back-to-back wins. Again, no back-to-back games on the road. No official play, but any quick thought here? Yeah, I mean, God, last week, you know, we talked about it on this show. It was just one of those spots where, hey, that line doesn't make sense. The commander is only three-point underdogs on the road. You know, maybe it's the spot for the, you know, some kind of regression, right? A lot of sharps on Washington last week still didn't happen, right? Just football happened. The uh, uh, defensive line of the Cowboys got after Carson Wentz again. And it's just, it's, it's tough to trust, right? I mean, if you watch any Tennessee Titans game, they don't always get sacks, but they do get pressure on the quarterback. If Carson Wentz is again, which you have to assume he will be, just, you know, a little confused back there. It's a little chaotic back there. I can't, I can't play on Washington. I got the Titans at minus one when this first came out. I'll stick with that. But, you know, I, I still do give a little bit of value to Washington here, too. I, like, I don't know why, you know, because, because eventually I have to stop looking at Washington. I'm definitely not going to play on them this week, though. All right. So no official play from our guys here on the Commanders. And right now, why would you with the way that they have struggled? Um, we'll just see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's move along to a game that the guys are going to both have an official play on. This one in New York. The Jets off the win over Pittsburgh, taking on the Miami Dolphins here. The Dolphins laying three. Our total is 46. Chris Farley, I'm right back to you for an official play. No Tua off the awful concussion. Teddy Bridgewater will be the quarterback for Miami. What are your thoughts uh, here on this AFC East matchup? Yeah, you know, you can look at this two ways, right? You can look at the Miami situation right now, all the controversy about Tua and the concussion, et cetera. And you can be like, man, this is a team in disarray, I think. I don't know if they're going to do very well. But then you look at the other side, and the Jets probably have two of the phoniest wins in NFL history, especially to start the season, right? We all know what happened against the Browns, and they damn sure shouldn't have won last week against the Steelers. That was a crazy finish against the Steelers as well. Credit to Zach Wilson for playing well in the fourth quarter. But this Miami Dolphins defense can get after the quarterback, too. If they don't sack him, similar to Tennessee, they at least confuse the quarterback. Zach Wilson is not a good decision maker. He has an interesting arm. He can make some really cool passes, you know, here and there. But he has a lot of growth. And in one of these spots, he's just going to mess up. And, and I trust the Miami offense with all the creativity. We know Teddy Bridgewater. He covers these games. He's a great ATS quarterback. And I trust their defense. And I trust their playmakers here. At only minus three, I don't think the Jets deserve a ton of credit for playing at home. So at only minus three, I'm going to favor Miami this one. I think they cover by more than a field goal. Farley, the Giants fan, knocking the Jets here off a win (laughs) at Pittsburgh. The Jet fans are starved for any kind of hope. They get a win at Pittsburgh, and Farley gives them no love. 
here on the oh. Bet US NFL show uh, for today. All right, so you had an official play. Scott Kellen, you have an official play on this game at MetLife Stadium here, Jets and Dolphins. What is it and why? Yeah, I'm going under the 46 points. Uh, now, I might be in the minority. This thing got bet up yesterday, I think, a little bit. Uh, and I'll, I'll put some caveats around it. But I was on the under for the Jets last week and unfortunately lost that thing at, at the very end. Uh, went under in their week one game against Baltimore. I think this Jets defense is okay. Um, and, you know, I don't expect a big drop-off from, from Bridgewater. Uh, you know, some things possibly working against me here. Miami number two in the league in, in yards per pass, and they're going to face a Jets team that's number 25 defending it. And Miami did, can't really run the ball. They're number 28 in the league. Jets number six defending the run. So they, they figured out hopefully maybe stifle them a little bit running the ball. Obviously, that just leads to more passing, which can you know lead to points, of course. Uh, so that can work against me. But it's a value play for me. My, my numbers are, are under this number uh, by enough to, to create value here. So uh, I'm going to trust the numbers and, and, and play it that way. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I, I agree, Zach Wilson. I don't think there's anything special there. The, the one other concern I would have here is Xavier Howard got hurt last week, and he's a little banged up. I, I don't even know if he's going to play. I would be a little concerned about that if he can't play in terms of, uh, you know, my, my bet here on the under. Uh, but if he's a go, I'm going to trust the value that I've got here and, and play the under. 46 points, you know, they're Scoring was up last week, but, uh, you know, average points right now are about 44 in a game. So we're a little bit above that. And I don't think this Jets offense is that good. And I think Miami's going to come with pressure like they have this year. And that could cause a lot of problems for Zach Wilson as well. Just got to hope no turnovers, uh, you know, on your own side of the field that uh, create easy points. All right. So, again, an AFC East clash where the Dolphins had been 3-0 and before they lost that Thursday night game. They're now 3-1. and Scott Kellen says, give me the under 46. And Chris Farley says, I like the Dolphins and lay those three points on the Bet US line for that matchup this week. Let's continue here on our Thursday show. Moving right along, the L.A. Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Chargers off of a win over Houston where, hey, if you're a fantasy owner, Austin Eckler came alive running and catching the uh, the touchdowns. Had three of them last week in the game. Chargers looked better. Uh, Justin Herbert looked better off the rib cartilage injury. Meanwhile, Cleveland, a tough day, a back-and-forth game, a loss last week in Atlanta. They've won a couple of games early on in the year. Chargers favored by two-and-a-half on the road. The number is 47. Scott Kellen, I'm right back to you for an official play here, and it's going to be part of a parlay, I believe. What do you like? Uh, yeah, part of a teaser, TJ. We're going we're gonna to tease up six points, uh, get it up to eight-and-a-half with Cleveland, uh, and uh, we'll add the other team here uh, in a little bit. Um, I show a little bit of value with, with Cleveland here. Now, the caveat also is that I'm assuming Miles Garrett, Garrett's going to play. We'll see. He's practicing a little bit. I don't know. If he doesn't play, you know, I, I don't think Clowney's going to play. You know, without Garrett, they've lost their two edge rushers. Uh, and, you know, this defense has been, uh, you know, average at best, and that might be kind. So I do worry a little bit there. But where I think there's a big mismatch here is Cleveland should be able to run the ball in the Chargers. They're number eight in the league in yards per rush uh, against a Charger team that is second to last in the league in defending the run. I think Cleveland's going to be able to run the ball here. I do have a couple nice situations that play to the under here. Uh, with Garrett playing, I make this total about 45, so a little bit under where, where the total is as well. So I think there will be it'll probably be a little bit lower scoring game as well. Uh, Cleveland's ability to run the ball, um, I think that will help us stay within the eight and a half point teaser. 
All right. Uh, fair enough there about the Browns. Any thoughts, if no official play here, Chris Farley on this matchup with the Chargers again, uh, which Chargers show up? The team that got whacked by Jacksonville at home or the team that looked pretty good, albeit against a bad Houston team on the road? Any thought here? And again, this is another uh, road game, back-to-back -back road games for the Chargers as well. Real quick. Yeah, they look good, but they almost let Houston come back and cover that game, you know. I mean, the Chargers just the Chargers just underwhelm me almost every week. Uh, that that Miles Garrett designation is huge because, you know, we know Justin Herbert under pressure is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I, th I think in NFL history through two years or, or two seasons. Uh, so Justin Herbert, if he's not under pressure, that is something to fear if you're on the side of the Cleveland Browns in this one. That being said, no, I, I really don't show any. I think the line is right. You know, the Chargers have to be slight favorites still because of all the talent on that team. But the Browns, off of a loss, you know, they can control this game on the ground. Uh, Chargers haven't been as good as, as they should be on defense all year, really, right? So, uh, But, you know, Jacoby Brissett also isn't going to stretch the field that much either. So it should just be a close game, uh, two teams that have strengths in different ways. So I just – I really don't know – to approach this one, so I'd rather just stay off of it. All right. Uh, so, again, Scott Kellen has the play here, the official play. We will lock him in as part of a teaser, and he has teased uh, the Browns line up here to eight and a half for a future play for that matchup. That is Cleveland and the Chargers at the new dog pound. And again, Cleveland, a couple of wins with Jacoby Brissett already. Uh, and you look at that Jets game that they absolutely gave away. They could have three wins already. Shoulda, coulda, woulda in that case. Let's move on on the live Thursday show. The New England Patriots off the hard luck overtime loss. They already were without Mac Jones. They lost Brian Hoyer, the veteran quarterback, to a concussion. And then they went to Bailey Zappi. Who in the world had him quarterbacking the New England Patriots early in the year? The kid out of Western Kentucky, a rookie. Zappi was not that bad in the matchup uh, with Green Bay. Uh, but Green Bay wins the game in overtime. Now the Lions, who we've already mentioned, had a wild game with Seattle last week. The Lions come into New England. Patriots favored by three. Patriots laying three. The total is 46. There's no official play here. Chris Farley, I'm coming right back uh, to you. This is like Bill Belichick feasting on a Detroit team that, yes, they've scored some against lesser competition, but I, I could see Belichick salivating here with the defense against Jared Goff and company. What do you think if no official play, Chris? Yeah, I, I really want to play on the lines here. Uh, it just it depends if they get some of their ski play, uh, ski, skill players on offense back, right? You got Hawkinson is questionable right now. A lot of players uh, didn't practice on offense on Wednesday, right? Got some injuries to the offensive line. We don't know if Swift is going to be back. We don't know if Amaz St. Ron St. Brown is going to be back. I mean, and those guys proved to be, to be pretty important. I mean, the Lions still put up 42 points last week, but, you know, they were in comeback mode almost that whole game. Um, I don't see the I don't see it happening this week against the Patriots if they don't have those skill players. On the other end, obviously, this Lions defense has not looked very good so far, but that's the topic of interest this week in Detroit, right? Dan Campbell knows it. The whole team knows it. They're talking about moving around Aiden Hutchinson a little bit more, which I think is a really good idea for that Detroit defense against Bailey Zappi. You know, I mean, if Hutchinson can get back there, right, you have to believe that they can at least slow down this this prolific Patriots offense, right? It's not prolific. So this should be a pretty low-scoring game. Um, you know, no, I, I would lean to – my strongest lean is probably just the under. But I'll say this. I want to take Detroit because my numbers have the Lions as only one to one-and-a-half-point underdogs. 
even on the road. You know, I think this Patriots defense, too, is a little fake news. So what? They played well last week. They, you know, they, they played pretty poorly in a lot of weeks before that. So I think I think it's more of a median thing for the Patriots. Um, and I think the Lions... But in fa- I mean, in fairness, they win against Rodgers and Green Bay on the road. They win against Lamar Jackson at home. Goff and Detroit, I don't know if they have as much firepower. We'll see. I know you don't have an official play on the game. Scott Kellen, let me bring you in here. Is, is Detroit going to hang with... New England potentially, yes, it's a rookie quarterback for Belichick and company. Maybe they run the ball more, Scott, in this game at home. Hey, they're uh, number one rushing offense in the league, and they're going to face New England, who's number 30 in the league. So uh, they figure to be able to. uh, And if you go back, uh, I think it was the Seattle game we talked about this. Here's two average teams, 500 or below, total higher than 44, teams getting three or more points. That, you know, that favors Detroit. That's situation 5-0 and this year, uh, and it's been a winner year after year after year. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to ignore that. Right now, I make New England about a four-point favorite, but to Chris's point, that's without a whole bunch of offensive guys for Detroit, and that would change pretty dramatically if we found out some of those guys are going to play, and that would probably take it under three uh, in terms of favoring New England. So, uh, and I lean towards the under right now, but again, if they get some of those offensive guys back, my number would probably get closer to you know where this total sits. So it's a pass for me. Um, I, I think both teams are going to be running the ball uh, and should probably be able to do it pretty successfully. And it just really depends who's going to play here. I don't think Mac Jones is playing, uh, but Detroit, you know, could add. They're missing a lot of elements here, so they they could add a few pieces that would be a big difference for them uh, versus what they might put out there right now. Yeah, watch those injury reports as Thursday becomes Friday. Friday heads to the weekend on who's playing in this game. Uh, or not, and is it going to be Bailey Zappi, the kid that threw 62 hello touchdown passes last year uh, at Western Kentucky? That's an FBS single-season record. No kidding, that's a single. That was in 13 games. 62 touchdown passes in 13 games. That's college, that's Western Kentucky. We'll see what he can do in the NFL with the Patriots taking on the Lions. All right, let's move on. We're coming down the stretch here on the BetUS NFL show. We've got the 49ers and the Carolina Panthers, San Francisco laying seven with a total of only 39 in this game. Carolina last week, awful, especially in the second half against Arizona, lost at home. San Francisco, great win, emotional Monday night win. They seem to own the Rams. Short week now for them going on the road. Scott Kellen, I'm right back to you because this is part of your previous teaser play with the Browns. What do you like and why, sir? Yeah, we're going to tease San Francisco down to one. Uh... This Carolina team, this is not a good team. And I, and San Francisco is kind of quietly playing extremely well. We know now they've got Jimmy G for the rest of the year, uh, so we can have confidence from that standpoint uh, and who's going to be the quarterback. And they've got some injured guys that are going to come back here pretty soon on the defensive side of the ball as well that were on injured reserve uh, earlier in the year. So I look at this yards per play, uh, or sorry, yards per pass, Carolina number 27. Uh, in the league, San Francisco, number three in terms of defending uh, the pass play. Big pass plays, Carolina, number 30. They're getting no big pass plays. San Francisco, number one in the league. They just do not allow big pass plays at all. Uh, in terms of putting pressure, uh, which all these you know previous things kind of uh, bring to this, come to this, San Francisco, number eight in the league in putting pressure on the quarterback. Carolina, number 24 in the league in allowing pressure. I, I just... Carolina's not moving the ball at all, and I don't know how they're going to do it against this team who is playing very yep. well. Yeah, it, they're, they're going all the way east. Yes, they played on Monday night. So that stuff could play into this. 
Um, but I feel pretty good about the 49ers being able to just win this game from a teaser standpoint uh, and, and, and cover for us on this leg of the teaser along with Cleveland. All right, so he's officially on this game. Chris Farley, you're not officially on this game. Uh, is there any hope that Baker Mayfield and McCaffrey and the Panthers get their act together here against San Francisco? Quick thought, if no official play, real quick. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think this is who truly Baker Mayfield is, especially behind a mediocre offensive line. I do not know how they're going to score points in this game. I mean, if this 49ers defense keeps on flying around the way they are, you know, good luck, right? Because uh, Baker Mayfield and the Panthers can't score points against much less talented defenses. You know, the one thing, just to play contrarian about this game, that kind of makes me a little, you know, not so confident in the 49ers is it's weird, right? Shanahan, if you saw him, if you, if you saw the way the 49ers offense looked against the Broncos, it looked like a totally different offense than what we saw against the Rams. It's just Shanahan and some of these like non-conference, non-divisional matchups just plays a lot more conservatively, like doesn't play, you know, doesn't create things as much. It's not as competitive or as, as innovative on offense. I don't know what that's all about. If he's more conservative here, maybe the Panthers can hang in. But no, I mean, this is, I think the only way to play on this is, is the 49ers. And I kind of like the unders too, because again, how are the Panthers going to score points? I don't know. Well, again, it's part of a two-part teaser that Scott Kellen has, and we'll go ahead and lock him in, not only with the Cleveland game, but he's going to tease San Francisco down. Just make sure they win. Lay the one point and make sure they win the football game by at least a couple of points here, and he's going to be golden with that for the 49ers at Carolina. Intriguing game with the only unbeaten team remaining in the NFL. That's the Philadelphia Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S. Farley doesn't want to hear me say that. Eagles, at Arizona, off the road win at Carolina. No official play in this matchup with Philadelphia laying five and the total 49. Chris Farley, I'm right back to you. I smelled something here on our Three Dog Thursday show. In fact, I looked at the numbers that say Arizona has won five in a row against Philadelphia. Different coaching staffs, yes. They don't play every year. Five in a row at home against Philadelphia covered every time. Cliff Kingsbury covered, yes. Different coaching staff. Uh, against Doug Peterson and company two years ago at home. I like the Cardinals for three dog Thursday purposes. No official play from you, but any quick thought here on Philly at Arizona late game Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I think that's a sharp look, TJ. I mean, this game is just, I have it circled too. It's one of those lines that's like, uh, it's just a little shady, isn't it? Every time there's a five point line too, it's like, it's almost like the odds makers don't know what to do, right? Yeah. Should they be more of a favorite? Should they be less? And five is just a weird number. And the thing about Philly is they they just there's not much to hate about this team so far. Obviously, they went down in the first quarter last week, but look at the way they responded, right? 29 to 7 finish there. I know there were some turnovers, but they played almost perfect football so far. Eventually, regression has to hit, right? Like eventually there has to be a little bit of like a mental letdown. First time going uh to the West Coast. Uh, and this is a Cardinals team who they're just tricky. They're just tricky to measure because a lot of it is Kyler Murray and what he can create. You know, J.J. Watt now is coming off that, you know, heart complications the previous week. So he's he's really inspired now. You know, sometimes things like that really inspire. Can I interject? Wasn't that incredible that, that he revealed he had to have his heart shocked back into rhythm? That's what AFib is. Nothing to mess around with with your heart. He's out there playing Sunday and even got a deflected interception in the game. Uh, you, you know, you feel for 
the fine line of player safety here, but that was quite the inspirational performance for his teammates watching that around there real quick, right? Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely, right? And then at the end of the day, these are all professional football players. They can play at a higher level, right? I mean, that's literally, if you look at the definition of motivation in psychology, humans can go beyond what they're capable of because they're so inspired, right? And so sometimes in those situations, you got to look at things like that, not necessarily count on it, but this is a weird spot for the Eagles. Uh, so I just wouldn't play on the Eagles here, right? I mean, in the first half, maybe it's interesting because the Cardinals have allowed more points than any other team. They've scored fewer points than any other team in the first half. And the Eagles are the number one scoring team in the first half. But it just all feels too obvious, and that's what scares me away. And by the way, Scott Kellen, I know you have no official play on this game. The Cardinals, for what it's worth, underdogs in both the first two home games with the Chiefs and with the Rams didn't win, didn't cover in either of those. Now it's a third time with Philadelphia coming in, laying the five. Any thought on this, if no official play, real quick, Scott? Yeah, I've got some value on Arizona, and I'm kind of like you guys. I mean, uh, I could, you know, rattle off all these stats. Philly, number one yards per pass. Arizona, number 24. That doesn't work. Arizona, number 32 in yards per pass. Philly, number two. That doesn't work. Uh, Kyler Murray, the worst in the league as far as starting quarterbacks in intended air yards per pass, so they're not getting the ball down the field. Yet, all that said, you know, I've got this at about maybe a two-and-a-half-point line right now, uh, and – you know, I'm a little worried about parent playing Arizona, but um, and my numbers have supported Philadelphia pretty well this year, so I kind of trust that they're kind of right. So if this thing keeps creeping up, uh, especially if it got the six, I would probably get on Arizona and take my chances. But for now, neither guy on this game officially with the Cardinals hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Let us move on down to the final three games that we have on the BetUS Live Thursday show. We're glad that you're with us. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. If you're just finding us in the middle of the show, make sure you're here live at 1 Eastern time. You see the live chat comments going. We're trying to get to some of those as the uh, as the show progresses as well. Always enjoy the banter, and there's a lot of plays by our handicappers. We're going to recap all of them here at the end of the show. Rams and Cowboys, marquee game. Most of the country will see it on Fox as the doubleheader game in the late window, Eastern and Central time, uh, right there at 1.30 local time in La La Land. Rams off the tough Monday night loss. Look at the Dallas Cowboys with three straight wins. Look at the Dallas Cowboys getting points here in L.A., getting five and a half on the Bet U.S. line. The total is 42 and a half. Scott Kellen, I'm right back to you. No official play, but any thought on this game? Uh, I've got the Rams minus five, the total 44, so we're right there. Uh, I guess my one comment I would make, Rams offensive line really, really, really beat up right now. Uh, and they've, they've also, you know, had some injuries in the secondary as well. So they're, they're just a wounded animal right now that obviously makes it a little bit tougher. Um, but, you know, and, and the Rams number 28 in the league and getting big pass plays. Dallas number two in defending them. So uh, that defense has actually played okay. Uh, I think ESPN came out recently with a, uh, uh, I forget the exact term of it, but basically how, how well can receivers get open? And uh, Allen Robinson's just basically not getting open. I don't know if that's, you know, because of his injury last year and he just isn't healed enough, but uh, it's the Cooper Cup show, and which has been, you know, pretty amazing show. But um, I, I'd be pretty hard-pressed to lay the five points with the Rams, uh, but my numbers don't indicate value either way. Again, Cowboys whacked the commanders at home. Cooper Rush has become the first Dallas quarterback to ever win his first four starts. 
one previous to this season and now three in a row since taking over for the injured Dak Prescott. Chris Farley, any thoughts here on Cowboys against the Rams at SoFi Stadium? Just that the Cowboys are a really interesting team right now. You know, I, I think oftentimes these teams take on the personality of their quarterback, right? And when Dak went down, it, I mean, I, I, I already thought that the Dallas defense would be more formidable than their offense this year. Uh, but now that defense has just really stepped up and taken over games. You know, Scott's point, right? We saw that uh, Rams offensive line on Monday Night Football just not looking very good. I mean, he was running around that whole game, forcing the ball to Cooper Cup. If you do that against the Dallas defense, right, and someone like Trayvon Diggs, who loves to pick off those forced passes, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think the line is right. I think the Rams have to be a favorite of over a field goal here. But these Cowboys are interesting because Cooper Rush, just he's efficient. He doesn't make mistakes. He keeps them in the game. Their defense is playing really hard. So I want to lean the Cowboys here as much as I don't want to say that as a Giants fan. It just, you know, both the, the thing about the Eagles we just talked about and the thing about the Cowboys is they both have their look-ahead game on Monday Night Football next week. Cowboys at Eagles. So maybe that's a thing, too. But, you know, how could you look ahead when you're facing the you know former Super Bowl champion? So That's right. You know, I, I think I think the Cowboys continue to be pretty pretty competitive here. I have, I have a lean towards the Cowboys, even though I think the line's pretty accurate. Well, I can tell you from having been in Dallas on opening night on the Sunday night game with my Buccaneers off the off the radio broadcast with the Bucks, when they beat the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's thumb was hurt, uh, they were uh, crisis mode to say the least. Talk radio, Jerry Jones, whatever. They've won three in a row, and if Cooper Rush and the Cowboys somehow get it together and beat the Rams, who would have had them four and one in his first four starts? Uh, what a luxury to now debate whether Dak Prescott can be back soon for that Monday night game with the Eagles, et cetera. Again, no official play here, but it's going to be one of the games of the late afternoon to watch with the Cowboys taking on the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, as Chris mentioned, in Los Angeles. All right, that leaves us two games. One of those is the Sunday night game, and the Baltimore Ravens still stinging off of their second-half collapse. Or was it a great Baltimore or a, a great Buffalo comeback? Buffalo down 17, came back and won the game, got the key interception of Lamar Jackson late in the game, drove down, kicked the winning field goal. So Baltimore's let a couple of leads slip away. They're still at home. The Cincinnati Bengals, meanwhile, have played better. They beat Miami 10 days ago in the Thursday night game. Joe Burrow looked good. The uh, line is Baltimore laying the three. The total is 48 and a half. Scott Kellen, we're back to you for an official play to start us off here. What do you like for the Sunday night game in Baltimore? Yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati plus the three. Uh, there was some three and a halfs early in the week. Maybe maybe that pops back up again. You know, we'll see. Uh, that would obviously be a fabulous number. Um, but I like since I, I make the game a pick them here. Uh, my number supports Cincinnati. Uh, and actually lean decently to the over. If this thing uh, dropped down a little bit from a total perspective, I don't know that it will. I would probably look at the over as well. But I like what Cincinnati is doing here. They obviously started here pretty rough. They've kind of got themselves together a little bit. You know, maybe they got a little lucky with the injury last week to kind of uh, allow them uh, to go forward and, and, and ultimately beat Miami. But, you know, this is a kind of a big home run hitting team with the receivers. Hopefully T. Higgins can play. That would obviously... Uh, not help if he can't. I think they can make plays against this Baltimore team. They have done it. Joe Burrow has done it in the past. Uh, this Ravens defense is not great. Um, and, you know, Cincinnati has been pretty good against the rush this year. The Ravens obviously bring kind of a different rushing game. So, you know, we'll see how much that matters. But um, I just think Cincinnati can stay within this uh, within this number. And 
and very easily, I think, win this game as well. Ravens are a very good team, uh, but getting three or if we can get three and a half, I think that's pretty good value with Cincinnati, and uh, I'm going to take a shot with the Bengals here and grab the points. Interesting. Chris Farley, we saw Marcus Peters, the veteran Pro Bowl corner, melting down in the second half and really in the fourth quarter of that game. He was upset, apparently, with the defensive play calls that were coming in. He's upset with uh, the scheme, et cetera. I guess he wants to be a coach on the field. He's unhappy. What, what do we make of a Baltimore team that, again, was very good against New England at New England, but then they turn right around and give that lead up to Buffalo. Now they host the defending AFC champs in the Cincinnati Bengals. I know you don't have an official play, but what's your thoughts on this game real quick? Yeah, the Ravens are just kind of tough to figure out right now, right? Because, uh, I mean, the potential that they have is obvious, you know, just with the talent they have all over the field. Maybe they're missing Don Wink Martindale a little a little more than they thought they would, right? There's a lot of – there's some – you know, talk around Baltimore that, oh, you know, this defensive style is kind of getting old. Well, you know, I, I, they benefited from it in the past, uh, and now just things aren't quite as in sync. I'll say this in favor of, of Scott's pick. Uh, and the Bengals are a very physical defense, and uh, they're going to be just appear a lot bigger on the field than the Ravens wide receivers, et cetera. So, you know, if, if, if the Bengals can just get physical and blue-collar from the very beginning, your borough is definitely definitely going to be you know confident in this matchup, right? He's had success against the Ravens before, so I, I have to lean to the Bengals in this matchup too. It's just I think the line is exactly right. You know, you have to think that the Ravens are going to show um, a better performance this week after after letting that go last week. But then the Bengals are also off of ten days rest, and they got right on Thursday night football. So it's just a tough game for me, but um, I I don't blame anyone for betting on the Bengals here. I mean, they they should stay in this game for the entirety of the game. All right, the official play does belong to Scott Kellen. Sunday night football, are the Ravens going to get well? Scott Kellen says, mm, I'm not so sure. Cincinnati may be coming on here off the wins over the Jets and the Thursday night win over the Dolphins. He will take the Bengals and the three points for the Sunday night game. One game to go here on our Thursday BetUS NFL show. That's the Monday nighter. I saw those Chiefs firsthand whip up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, had over 450 yards of offense, ran it on a Buccaneer defense that doesn't get run on. They ran it for almost 200 yards in the game. Mahomes uh, just electric out of the pocket making plays. You've got the Raiders who are feeling better off of a win over the Broncos. Then again, they weren't that impressive. Uh, the line is seven and a half, which is interesting. Some might think with the Chiefs at home off that win over the Bucks, it might be more. Total is 51. Chris Farley, I'm back to you for our final official play of the show. What do you like and why, my friend? Yeah, I'm a little afraid that Scott Callan is going to say something really sharp here tonight you know, to make me not like my play because it just feels pretty square, doesn't it? Oh, oh, an over in a Chiefs game? Oh, yeah, well, you know, shocking, Chris, but... I don't know. I mean, this Chiefs offense, you know, when you put together a performance like they did last week against the Bucs, which was really impressive on the road, and you saw how focused Patrick Mahomes is, I don't think that's going to die off against the Raiders defense this week, especially at Arrowhead, right, one of the toughest places to play for any opposing defense. The Raiders, you know, in past years had a little bit of success against the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs have forgotten that, right? They're not going to, like, play down to the Raiders in this case. And the Raiders are just one of these defenses that classically are a little too aggressive. You know, they fly towards the ball. They fly forward. They're just a perfect defense for Andy Reid and Patrick, Holmes to t Patrick Mahomes to take advantage of. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, Derek Carr finally got right. Right, They put up uh, 32 points against the Broncos at home. They got their first win. That's good for their confidence. Devontae Adams did some great things in that, in that game. 
I think the Raiders can get over 20 points in one. And if that's the case, I mean, I expect the Chiefs to put up plenty of points on the Raiders. So I like this one to go over 51. I have it closer to 54. And again, Mahomes has been spreading the ball around to different receivers. Kelsey was effective at the beginning of the game, but he was getting it to Hardman or getting it to a couple of others as the game went on, using the backs out of the backfield. They love the little running back, the rookie Pacheco out of Rutgers. They were running it with him as well. Scott Kellen, I know you do not have an official play here. You're in Vegas. The Raiders and Josh McDaniels have to feel a little bit better, but Mahomes has really had their number, whether it's been in Kansas City, Oakland, now in Vegas, or on the moon. He's seemingly had their their number. Uh, what are your thoughts, if no official play, to wrap it up here for Monday Night Football? Yeah, fear not, Chris. I'm not going to uh, say anything to go <laughs> against that play. Uh, and my numbers kind of make it where it is uh, as far as the uh, the side. And the total, I actually have this at about 53 and a half. So, um, I, you know, I think there's a decent chance it could go over the total as well. And Kansas City should be able to move the ball here. They're number two in the league now in big pass plays. Raiders number 29 in the league in giving up big pass plays. So KC should be able to move the ball from that standpoint. And just yards per pass, Kansas City number nine, Vegas number 26. They've had some injuries back there. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to be able to move the ball. You know, we'll see what the Raiders can do, though. You know, Kansas City's defense has been a little bit better than, you know, what we're usually accustomed to. So, uh, you know, they could hold the Raiders down a little bit. But that Raiders offense is good enough that even if they're getting blown out in this game, they should be able to uh, get some scores at the end, kind of uh, over the way scores and, and help get this thing over the total as well. Uh, I, I Again, I make the number kind of where it's at, but there is a slight lean to the over for me uh, as well in this game. All right. Will Devontae Adams have a big night here? Will the Raiders uh, be able to do something on the road uh, in this one to avoid a one and four start, if that's the case, if they don't get the win. Again, the official play is Chris Farley's play, and that is on the over. He says points, 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 at least from the Chiefs and some from the Raiders. He's over the total of 51. With that, guys, that is a full show. Again, you got every game here on the Bet US NFL show. You're going to get that every week, all 16 games. No bye weeks again this week, five weeks uh, into the season. By means of recap, let's take a look at what the guys have. I'm not going to go over everything that you see on the screen. You see they have a couple of uh, parlays uh, and teasers, each of the handicappers. Uh, interesting. Uh, that Chris is pairing up the Buccaneer play with the Viking play. In Scott's case, he's pairing up Green Bay and the Viking game as well on a teaser. Uh, and you see the rest of the plays that the guys have on the board there. With that, I think we're pretty well good. Final thought, Chris Farley, before we're gone, I know we've got Thursday night football. It begins Thursday night in Denver. It goes all the way to London with the Packers and the Giants. And then it finishes up with the, with the Chiefs and the Raiders on Monday night. Going to be a busy weekend again. Any final thought? Yeah, just try to anticipate regression, right? A lot of big favorites this weekend. Uh, so it could be easy to just pull that trigger and be like, oh, of course all these big favorites are going to win. But, uh, yeah, this is the time of year where even the best teams, you know, they start to stumble. We talked about the Eagles. And even the worst teams start to pick it up a little bit and get some wins or at least keep games close. So anticipating a regression is what this is all about. No doubt. Scott Kellen, final thought from you, and I know you're headed to England. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium before? It's something else. I've had the chance to be there. What yeah. about it? Have not have not been there, so super excited for that. Uh, kind of echo what Chris said. You know, you're, you're never really as good as your last game or as bad as your last game, and the NFL is a perfect league kind of really for that. And monitor injuries. I, you know, the injuries are, are huge, and uh, 
just monitor that all the way up to uh, to really, quite frankly, to Sunday and obviously the injury report because there's a lot of injuries out there right now and guys coming back that can help teams and all of a sudden make a team a little bit better uh, than maybe they appeared as well because some of these guys can come off injured reserve here very quickly as well. You're making us a little bit better, my friend. Globe Trotter, be safe going to England for the Packers-Giants game. We want to hear all about it at a future date on the BetUS NFL show. Scott Kellen, thank you. We appreciate it. Chris Farley, thank you as well. Guys, good luck with your plays. A pleasure always to be with you, boys. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, everyone. Later, everyone.